you know, I think some of those moons takes, I call it, you're too stupid to give up. <laughs> Every brand is yesterday's spammer. It's got to be win-win, you know? I'm not, I don't like win-lose. You become the limiting factor of the company's growth. You are. Can I tell you what the blackest place in the world is? Right next to the spotlight. Mmm. This episode is brought to you by Nail It and Scale It, the world's leading fast growth program for businesses. If you have ever wanted to grow your business faster than what you can right now, if you need to make more revenue, if you need more leads, if you need more clients, if you need to know how to plan your business in a strategic way in order to hit big goals, if you need to learn how to scale your business and grow your team and your business so that you have more freedom, then this program is for you. Imagine three days immersed with me where we cover all aspects of business. Where we do it from an immersive but also an execution standpoint. We execute every step of the way and we're looking at five key areas we're looking at your psychology we're looking at your marketing your sales your leadership and we're looking at your planning and how we integrate these five key areas to grow your business and your brand quickly so if you'd like to find out more information kerwinray.com well ladies and gentlemen it is my absolute pleasure to welcome to unstoppable fred shabesta now did i get that right yeah like the best I star <laughs> yeah, the best. I should have asked you that before I actually did your intro, mate. I got to say, Fred, when the guys uh, when they when they put you in front of me, I, I have to say I was actually really stoked um, because I I didn't know much about you until uh, you came across my desk, but I knew a lot about your business. And um, your business is one that I found really interesting in the way that it's come out, the way it's been quite uh, uh, ingeniously done, where you're leveraging off you know in many respects the products of other people and becoming almost like a, a network platform yourself. But for those people who don't know you, because from what I can tell, um, you know you are quite out there. But there might be some people who don't know your rap sheet. So what's the the download when someone says to you at a dinner party? So what do you do, Fred? Like how do you answer that question? <laughs> um. <laughs> You know, it's a it's been a process actually uh, of continuous self discovery and reinvention to describe myself. You know, I think I used to be a website builder, and then I was a marketer, um, and then sort of an internet entrepreneur. And and these days, you know, I sort of see myself as a creator. Um, so I've taken the role of creative director, chief creative officer at Finder, which is you know, it's sort of strange in in, in one way, but I just tend to get involved with building stuff, taking something from zero to one. Um, and I've constantly always done that. You know, we started Finder just in my kitchen table. Uh, Frank and I just, you know, every every sort of night, we'd just, you know, add a bit, add a bit here and there and then continuously innovate it and adapt it. And then eventually we're like, wow, this is a real business. And Frank's really like the CEO. You know, he, he knows how to make the processes and the people and the management and the leadership and the financials and the money and, you know, those kind of things. And I understand those things as well. It's just not my best strength. Um, but I, I can yeah, right. do all of those elements. I just, in the beginning, I'm really good at incepting the start, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And that makes complete sense. And mate, you've got a bit of a track record. I know you have your first business was Freestyle Media, which you, uh, you sold with Frank for about 1.36. Uh, and then you went on with Frank to co-found Finder, which um, I think based on the last valuation is close to about a quarter of a billion dollars in terms of valuation, maybe more now, I'm not sure. So I'm going to assume in order to go through that and also being an internet marketer and, you know, I'm looking at this going, holy shit, how come I actually didn't find out about you sooner? Because you you were, from what I can tell, and correct me if I'm wrong here, 
my sense is you're a bit of a gangster marketer. You're a little bit of a, 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 a above the line, below the line. You seem to have a bit of an understanding about conversion optimization, traffic generation, you know, lead generation, the funnel process, which for a company of that size is actually quite unusual, uh, especially with, you know, in the, in, in the tech space, although a lot of companies are good with the tech. They may not necessarily be good with the funnels and the marketing side. So I'm curious, where did this all fucking begin, mate? Like, where does your life begin in terms of the story of, you know, your life, your book? Where, where, does, it, where does it start, mate? You know, I, where did you grow uh, up? I, I grew up in, um, in a little house in Taramara, uh, which is in the north shore of Sydney. And, and I used to ride skateboards and climb trees and um ride bmx bikes and eat eat redskins for five cents you know i was that kind of kid <laughs> you oh, know redskins. and i you know i used to i used to be a very outdoors um guy and i you know little kid and i was very curious all the time i'd inspect and understand and learn things and one time I, my father bought a um a computer and back in the 80s, computers were, you know, a personal computer wasn't really a thing. And that he bought a micro B from Dick Smith when Dick Smith was, you know, quite cutting edge. And this had a color screen and it had a modem that connected to bulletin boards. And I didn't really understand exactly what was going on with all the what technology and stuff. This is probably like 89, 89. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow. We're going How old are you, bro? Way back. Eight years old, maybe. Okay. Max. Okay. Um, and I, I used to, I used to, um, so I was very sporty, you know, I, I, I used to, we used to call it coffin cause we used to go down the, the steepest road and lie down and go as fast as possible back then. And I just used to do wild stuff like that. You know, I was, I was a bit of a rebel kid, but then I got it, my dad showed me this computer and I was just fascinated by it. I was like, and I, and I, I sort of unpacked it and I edited it and I would just tear it apart. Um, and I, I, you know, I broke broke many computers. And my dad would always complain about it, and I got viruses on there, and I'd fix them. And um, and I played a lot of computer games as well. Um, and I used to network computers together back in the day when they we used to do cables. And that taught me about, um, you know, how two computers can talk to each other. And that's really what the internet is, right? The internet is just computers talking to each other. It's the exact same thing. It's just done over a phone line. And when the internet started becoming bigger, I, I looked at the internet and I was like, what is this internet thing? And I inspected, I used to look at the source code of web pages and try and replicate them, just like I did when I was yeah, you know, right. eight years old. And I just started building websites. And I sent my website to one of my friends. And I said, hey, I built this website. I put his name on there and a photo of him and he lost it. He was like, man, this is the future. And I was like, yeah, it is the future. You know, this is where we need to get into. And so that's what we deep dived down. And he actually was one of the founders of the first company, Adam. Um, but he left, um, and I, and I sort of continued on down that path. Um, and you know, it was a, it was, it was a learning thing. I didn't know how to run a business. I was at college, you know, and I was building websites. So you just selling them. websites. Yeah. Yeah. So this is back in what year is this now? This is like Oh one. Um, okay. yeah, like Oh one, 2000, 2001. I was just hacking up. We had dial up modems and we used to send web pages to each other. It was wild. Um, and, you know, I think it's the curiosity and that passion just to create something and show other people. I, I always love to do that. Um, 
And I think that's what the genesis of a lot of those things are. I just go on, you know, I was reading um, Jeff Bezos's shareholder letter, his 19, his uh, 2018 one. And he talked about, you know, um, Amazon goes on these, you know, a lot of businesses, you go on these trips of wandering, you wander and you don't know where the innovation is. You're trying to solve it for the customer to solve this problem, but you don't exactly know. Sometimes you do know and there are business problems, you can be really efficient, but there are other ones where you just wander and you test things and you try things. I think that's what I do. I wander and build and I put my own money up and I just try things. You know, I've done so many wacky things. When we started Finder, we actually had four other websites. So we had a poker site, we had a Mother's Day present site, we had a Sudoku site, we had a Christmas Day site, we had anzacday.com.au actually. Um, and the two when, when we launched it, all the 2GB people called us up and hassled us and somehow got on there. Um, actually, I was on a show with Alan Jones and this story came up the other day. Um, Alan and I are good friends. He's a funny guy. Um, anyway, he, 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 he basically, he didn't remember it, but yeah, everyone got really angry and we just handed over the website. But it was just an experiment, right? It was Anzac Day and everyone's buying memorabilia. So we thought, hey, why don't we sell it? Um, <laughs> I didn't right. go down to that store. A lot of wacky experiments, a lot okay. of wacky experiments, failed experiments. And so was um, this website business, was this Freestyle Media? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and, and the so, side business we called Freestyle e-business. And we just, right. you know, we used to build sites for people. And one day, one of my clients, I, you know, I used to, one of those key questions, I think everyone, you know, in the beginning of any business is if you need to get more business, just go and ask your customer, what do they want? So I called up one of my clients because I was building these websites and I was done. I was like, oh, I need some more revenue. And I called one up and I said, hey, um, what else can I do for you? You know, what what else do you need? And he said, well, I've got this website and that was great. Good, good job, Fred. But now I need more traffic. And I was like, ah, oh, traffic. Okay, you need traffic? He says, yeah, and there's this thing called Google. And it's picking up steam. You know, this is 2001, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, this is like early, early, early days. Um, this would have been about 2002 when this started. Really cool. And I left uni. I had rent in an office. I don't was like, I don't know how I possibly went and did these ideas. Now looking back on it, and I was like, okay, I'll get you to the top of Google. No worries. And so I went and researched it and figured it out, and I got him to the top of Google, and he crushed it. So hard. No one else knew how to do this in his industry, and it was just making printing money, printing money. And I was getting paid three hundred, four hundred bucks a month, and I was super happy. I was like, yes, I got some revenue, you know, but. You know, then I thought, well, if I'm doing, if we can build the site, then we can do this marketing. Why don't we try and do our own ones? And that's when we, you know, we put the Sudoku site. One of them was creditcardfinder.com.au. And is that you know, the, was the, the genesis of Finder. Yeah. So I'll tell you the story behind that. Please. Um, so back in 2006, um, Websites that had keywords in them used to rank in their domain name, used to rank really highly in Google. And there's still a little element of it today, but not as much. And so I was like, okay, I want to make a credit card site because I wanted to make a challenge. I was like, I want to rank number one for credit card in Google. Now that's a challenge. That's real hard, you know? And all these banks were there and I was like, I can outrank them. I just got to figure out how. So I started off and I said, okay, I downloaded every single keyword there was that for keep for credit card. You know, it was credit card, credit cards credit card comparison, best credit cards. And the sixth one was credit card finder. And it was like, I typed them all into Google because that was the, the most top ranked by, by number of searches. And I was like, 
Okay, credit card finder, and it was available. And I said, like, all right, that one's it. That's the brand name. And I just registered it. Um, and I registered home loan finder and personal loan finder and all these kind of things. And, you know, we just started small. Started writing guides about we, – we wrote the first annual fee credit card guide in Australia, um, which is you – know, so how, no how, how did you formulate the commercial model in the early days? You know, did you feel? Did you really look at yourself and go, "Okay, the, the, the money here is really in the affiliate play"? Like, how did you come together and produce a commercialization of what you did? I was fascinated by affiliate marketing uh, because um, it allows you know it allowed us to sort of digitize a lot of the manual things that we were doing. And in two thousand and seven, I won the Young Direct Marketer of the Year, Adma. And they gave me a trip. The prize was a trip to Chicago. Actually, I don't even know if people know this story. Um, and I went to Chicago and I go into the DMA, which is the, which is the Direct Marketing Association event. And I, I, and I went to the workshops and I was so tired. I'd never been to America. And I, was, I went by myself and I was um, so tired. And I was walking around Chicago late at night. Little did I know it was the most, one of the most dangerous areas. And all these people <laughs> used to come up to me and hassle me. And I was like, man, why are you talking to me? I just go and get a burger and walk around. I don't know. That was innocent, young, you know, twenty-five-year-old. Um, and I went to one of these workshops, and there was a guy, and he he talked about this idea called persuasion architecture, and I'd never heard those two words put together before. And he had a book, and I was fascinated by this guy and he talked about clients and how you can influence someone to uh, purchase on a website by profiling them and understanding what they want and then creating um, structure in the website to get people to buy and to solve what you actually have to sell. You know, like what they're trying to buy is what you're going to actually give them because people don't realize, right? Because websites are basically digital salespeople. They're just built with technology. And that was a very profound idea for me. And it affected me a lot. Um, and, it, and it sort of taught me about think, listening to the customer and going way further than I'd ever imagined. The Americans were all are so cutting edge by that. Did that give birth to like dynamic marketing campaigns whereby you were actually – you know, customizing from the ad through to the landing page through to what the, the rest of that funnel specifically for those keywords and those search terms. I remember when that came out on Google, where the dyna- the, you had the ability to have the dynamic ads, you know, integrating with the dynamic features of, of the web pages. Yeah, definitely. I think this, this, that's, that was definitely, I was never great at the, um, uh, I didn't really get into too much digital ads. Uh, like I, I could okay. write the creative. Frank used to it's buy the, the ads. Side. Yeah, Frank. Frank bought the ads, and I did the more the creative for the ads uh, and the copy. And he yeah, did right. the he did the buying and the selling part, um, the trading part, because he's very analytical like that. He's, he's really I, I can be analytical, and I can sort of use two mind two of those sides. Um, but Which but he's really. Creative. Yeah, I tended to I'd do the creative and then he'd do the analytical. And, you know, I think that's where SEO, you know, that's really why it's quite interesting because it's technology, right? So you're using that rational side and the code and then you have to be creative on the words and the interpretation and understanding of the customer. 
And I think that's why, yeah, and I, I have this theory that, you know, Finder was really born out of the mastery of me building websites and the passion for search engine optimization. You know, I spent seven years mastering those skills, building websites for people. You know, we, Frank and I were earning like $1,500 a, a month. You know, we, we, we started with nothing. Um, and purely, uh, I think, just the passion of learning about these technologies, then we actually got a chance to actually put them in, in motion, you know, and that's, and, and I still think we've just begun, you know, we've only just begun. Finders just started, um, I think. And how, how have you guys been affected with everything that's going on right now with COVID-19? Wild, wild. Yeah, so we've been – it's – it's. we had this strategy I, I sort of put in place a long time ago where I wanted Finders to be the most comprehensive comparison site <clears throat> and it compared more things than anyone else. So there's shopping deals on Finder and there's, you know, broadband, there's VPNs, there's streaming comparison, you know, all sorts of things as opposed to just credit products and credit products are obviously a big revenue earner, but, and that's taken, you know, quite a hit. Everyone um, has applied for, you know, credit um, and also for loan uh, extensions. And so we've really pivoted to other, other, our other verticals, which is lucky because we put those investments in ages ago and they weren't as big, but now they are massive. People are, you know, the, our, our website's never seen so much traffic before. Um, Is that right? And in our, Where are you US seeing business, the growth? You know, online shopping, um, share trading is very interesting. People get into the stock market. Um, broadband, everyone hates their broadband right now, um, including myself. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, you know, people are canceling Netflix right now, which is really weird. Um, yeah. because they're bored with it. They want something new. You know, they need a new, that was, that one confused me. Um, what's the, buying, what's the uh, cancellation rate? Like it sounds like, you know, you've, you've seen a piece of data I haven't seen yet with Netflix. What's going on there? Oh, it's just a very popular page on our website right now. You know, how to cancel Netflix. Um, I couldn't really? tell you the exact numbers, but yeah. It's, and Disney plus is just crushing it right now. They are. They're doing so well. What an incredible strategy they've launched with. Um, and so your pivot now is really moving into those other other verticals that you've been setting up now in the last few years. Yeah, we always had them there. They were just small and now they've just ballooned. You know, uh, our UK business, which competes with, you know, four of the biggest comparison sites, didn't really get a lot of like, it had a little bit of cut through and it takes a lot of time with those other verticals, but it had a lot of cut through in other, other categories and it was, and, and those ones are just dominating. So it's really interesting. You know, it's kind of like we were, up against big giants, but then the market moved, like the dice just got reshuffled and every, you know, the cards got relayed out. And, you know, I, I see it like, to me, COVID-19 is like the tectonic plates just got moved a bit mm. and the map got changed. And now you need to reform your strategy. And that's what, for, for us, I think, you know, we always had that strategy in place and it kind of, we had, we just needed something to click and that was what clicked. It was just, you know, simple twist of fate. I don't think, I don't think you can, I wouldn't say we were genius in working that out. That was, I put that down to a little bit of luck. But you know, you, you worked you worked pretty hard to get to, to get to that piece of luck. If you know what I mean. Exactly. But I'm going to assume this isn't the first time that you guys have experienced some turbulence. You know, you've you've this is your second business that you've built. You know, over a million bucks. First one was 1.3 that you sold for. This one, 
as I said, is valued now over almost close to a quarter billion dollars, or sorry, 193 million. I know you're valued at, sorry, mate, my numbers are all over the place here. So 246 million is the current valuation. Your valuation's nice and healthy as well. But you don't get to those kind of numbers without experiencing, you know, significant levels of either, you know, failure or stress or everything times 100 that's combined in that sentence. So what what have been the moments for you where, you know, you've really questioned not just your desire to be in business, but whether or not you should be doing, you know, business at all? I think this one's been pretty tough, but there's another one I can, I remember two really, really tough ones. Um, the first one I remember was when Frank and I, we had a court case. <clears throat> I'm at a young, a dumb young era where I copied some code and well, it turned out it was open source code. Anyway, the court case got settled and it cost us a lot of money. We didn't have much money back then in freestyle media. And we had a tax bill of a quarter of a mil uh we, we just have a tough we just made all all the mistakes you could possibly make and i remember sitting out in the um in the in the back uh car park with frank and yeah i was i remember i was just crying i had nothing left i was like i think you can't get hit in any other more directions and the tax man's pretty punchy when they you owe the money you know mm. so we're pretty scared um and you know we were living on the edge as well like personally like very depressed in a in a really rough way. And I remember I turned to Frank and I said, you know, maybe we should just call it in. That's, you know, we're just not, not cut out for this. And we're sitting there and it's like, yeah, that's probably right. And I was sitting there and I was like, nah, nah. What's the difference between us and someone else? They're just people. We can do this. Other people are dominating. Why can't we do this? We can figure this out. Nah, we just fired up, went back in, cut some costs, hustled harder, doubled our efforts, just turned the ship around. And, you know, we dug ourselves out of that hole. I, I mortgaged my shares. I got a margin loan, 15% interest, chucked that into the cash into the company, made the payroll and just rode it all the way. And, and we just, yeah, cut down costs and just fired all the way back up, got the company profitable and it just shot up you know, out of it. We've got a, some big clients. Um, it just turned the corner. I don't know. We just, just hung in longer than, you know, I think some of those moments takes, I call it you're too stupid to give up. <laughs> you know, I think I was just too young and dumb to, to, to give up, but probably wasn't the best idea. Although we sold the companies soon after. So that was, that was kind of key. Good timing. The second time I reckon was really brutal was when we got penalized by Google. Um, with credit card finder and what that means is we got put into Google jail Ooh. so you get yeah not good mm. so we got sent back like 20 places in Google and we lost 80% of our traffic overnight we did had it for three months we dug ourselves out and that was emotionally just I think it was like where something so beautiful and so prosperous gets absolutely taken away from you and smashed yeah it doesn't feel so good it takes a while to get over that what did you learn from that experience because like i think a lot of us have had that experience with a, some form of a google slap um or a facebook slap and you know it does often kind of signal the, the the dependence that we sometimes live with with some of the partners that we 
that we align. What was the the big lesson for you out of that from a from a contingency perspective? Because you know, mm. going from where you were to being knocked back twenty places or twenty pages, eighty percent of your revenue overnight, eighty percent of your your traffic overnight gone. I know what that's going to do. What contingencies did you learn from that that you then used to diversify your traffic strategies moving forward? Yeah, so we we we, we definitely diversified. Yeah, like you said, sources. Uh, we bought a ninja sword actually um, at the time, and it's inscribed. <laughs> it actually sits on our, our our reception hallway. We haven't I haven't been to our office in like I don't know, it's four going on four weeks now. But um, back there, um, we bought this sword to remind us about how our marketing tactics can cut us as well if we if we treat them you know without respect. Ooh. And this is a real ninja sword, a real ninja sword. So we cleaned up our act in our SEO, and we went pure white hat, the whitest. Like, I know I'm wearing a black hat right now, but um, <laughs> <laughs> the irony, I love it. <laughs> every 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 brand, every brand is yesterday's spammer. In some mm. way, they spammed some channel, mm. or they did something. You know, MySpace was an email spammer. Airbnb spammed Craigslist. Everyone did it to get the, themselves an edge, right? And I think, you know, and then you and then you turn the corner and you go, okay, that's enough. Now we're going to build a real business. Mm. And so, what drives you, Fred? You know, I. It's it's interesting. I, I've been going. I got an emotional coach, and I keep going on these um, journeys right now about figuring out my purpose and why am I doing this. And I, mm. I, 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 I sort of got real good clarity right now around I, I love to build things i just i i just love it I, I i love to build things and then win simple as that um what does win mean to you like how do you know if you've won if there's an opportunity and we go through the journey and we create something and people get a lot of value from it and then you know we earn some revenue from that and everyone's happy and everyone everyone gets their win as well. As long mm. as everyone gets their win, that's a win to me. It's gotta be win win, you know? I'm not I don't like win lose. I like win yeah. win. Oh, I like that. But you like to build things specifically in order for people to win. And so, mate, when you do things, like what are the things that when you do them, you lose time and space? Or the things that you think about effortlessly or fantasize about, you know. Um, or just a consumed by in terms of obsessional reading? Like where are the things that if you look out throughout your entire life, what has that pattern been around? I think it's about uh, formulating long, medium and short-term strategies that come together and create something that lasts and, and, and I think the word is, if you're going to sum it together, is to create a legacy. You know, mm. I, I, I like to do things so that people remember it. You know, if, 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 do you tell, I'm to tell you what the blackest place in the world is? Right next to the spotlight. Mm. Dark as. I hate that. And you've got to earn that place in the spotlight. And I love the payment. I love the journey to get there. 
you know, I, I think I think everything, you know, even from like little parties, Frank and I ran this big party in called Australia Party. And we, we had a house and we built a website and we got sponsors. We had like, I don't know, 300 people through the place, put five tons of sand in our backyard and we were renting the place. You know, it was a wild story. And people still talk about that party because I remember we sat there and we were like, okay, we're going to have this party. And this is this is the philosophy all the time when I think of ideas and we're, we're focused on things. It's like, okay, we're going to have a party. Cool. Yeah, we've got DJ, we've got, you know, booze, we've got food, we've got fun, you know, everything's going to pump, it's good. And I said, but but why are people going to talk about it? Why will it be remarkable? In other words, remarkable is why will I remark to someone else about it? And I said, well, it's it's Australia, like what's, you know, I said to Frank, we're sitting, I remember we we're sitting on the floor because we didn't have chairs and we we're kicking around this idea. This is in our house. We used to live together as well, two and a half years. We ran it like an Airbnb, by the way, before there was Airbnb, <laughs> before there were hashtags and before there were smartphones. Anyway, it's a whole other story. We're sitting there and we're like, what are people like going to go? What is insane? We're like, okay, animals. Nah. Uh, what's Australia all about? The beach, the beach. Yeah, let's make the beach. Yeah, beaches are all, how do we make a beach? Well, water's tough. Let's get some sand. Sand. So we called up, I called up a sand company, got them to dump five tons of sand on the North Sydney street, literally shipped it in. Our mates and I literally on a, on, with um, uh, spades, bags, <laughs> wheelbarrows, anything it took, filled the backyard, right? And people still talk about this, this party. This party was, it, that's the level, right? That's the yeah. level. And that's the level I want Finder to go to. I want it to be a great Australian tech company that people go, that's a great company. That's a great Australian tech company. That's amazing. It's taken it to the world. You know, obviously we market it to the US and the UK and, you know, we have we have offices there. Right now our New York office is obviously very empty because <laughs> it's pretty wild. Um, you know, and I think the connecting theme is I always try and do something unique, different, and then it people talk about it afterwards. And if it doesn't hit that level, then I just, I, I'm uninterested and I don't engage. And I, you know, it almost sounds like your purpose is around, you know, creating memorable experiences for people in many ways, what, whether that's through a credit card or, you know, a party or, you know, learning how to, you know, cancel a Netflix subscription. But there's <laughs> one aspect of, um, of your life that I am a little bit curious about. And, and, and I'm going to, pin off something from before like you said a really good statement before great quote i haven't heard in probably over a decade the darkest place is right beside the, the darkest point is beside the spotlight <clears throat> um and i know for myself as i went through the process of building a business you know i, I i'm you know later in life i met a woman got married had a child uh, and that became its own kind of you know um project in many in many ways i know you're a father you got two beautiful girls i'm curious to know from your perspective like how's how's it been on the relationship side you know, mm. as an entrepreneur, but also as someone who, you know, because there's entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs, and I don't mean that with any disrespect, but there are a lot of people that, you know, yeah. that put a badge on their hat that say they're an entrepreneur, but they're really just, you know, someone who's self-employed. You know, you've built a significant business, you've built a significant net worth. I'm curious to know how you've managed the relationship side, you know, whilst being able to balance both of those things out. Mm. So, I think that in, well, I got married when I was 28. Um, I sold my first company. I was 26, so okay. I was pretty young. 
Oh no, I so I got I think I got married when I was twenty seven and I had my first child when I was twenty eight. I had Portia. And I didn't have the child actually. I supported you know, I, I couldn't say I claimed having the child. That's you know <laughs> that's it's anyway, that's a whole other topic. Um <laughs> I have so much respect for um yeah, pregnancy, what women do, it's incredible. Um it's incredible. Uh, it's a miracle, absolute miracle. Mm. Um and and wow. Um and I actually got um uh I I got divorced in two thousand and five. And I think, you know, I, I married, I guess, my, I think I would say my best friend, I guess, girlfriend. And she was my third client in my first business. And, you know, her, <laughs> you know, this it is, it and I was, I was very, I think what I wanted to share with that, but is a lot of, um, I think what you're also getting to is with entrepreneur, with entrepreneurs is, because you're so dedicated to something, you don't spend much time actually emotionally growing up. And I, I think when I was 30, about maybe five years ago, I was 34, um, I started seeing an emotional coach and I walked in and, and I said, I don't need no, you know, I was like, something's weird. I, I, I kept on making the same mistake. And I was like, we, and I went and spoke to him and I was like, yeah. And then we dug deeper and then I realized um, and we, we started working on this and I just dramatically improved. And I, I actually have a really good relationship with my ex-wife. Um, she's great. Um, we go traveling together. Um, we actually, my, my current partner and my ex-wife and my two little girls, we all went traveling together over the Christmas. Um, wow. And we had a great time, you know, and my ex-wife came around for dinner the other night. Like we're, and actually, we're, here's a funny story, quick story to give you, to probably illustrate it the best. We're playing Pictionary last night. And my eldest daughter, she had the word, um, she said, she drew, drew two people in a house. Then she drew two people in two separate houses. She goes, huh? Uh, uh. I said, separate, uh, uh, divorce. She's like, yeah, that's the word. And, and, and I said, why are they smiling afterwards? She goes, because they're friends. Oh, oh man. Well done. Good job. Good job. Good job. So, so I think um, I I did the emotional work and I grew up from a, you know, a like a young, uh, I'd say like a teenager in a 30-year-old's body to a much more, now I'm still working on it, right? Like I'm still working on it, always working mm-hmm. on myself. Um, so I'm not the perfect guy, you know, I, I lose it every now and then, but relatively I've done a lot of work to get myself into a much you know, a really cool place. I feel very calm around with my ex-wife. Um, you know, I gave her, you know, split all, split with her all the money that she needed, gave her the house, everything, didn't take anything, oh, except for my grandmother's carpet. That was just a small thing. Um, just one thing. Um, because my, my grandmother passed away during the divorce, so that was another. Oh, man, that, that, that was It was a very tough time. Um, going through a divorce, moving house, I, you know, and my grandmother died. Anyway, that was a that was a that was a pretty dark time, um, and you know I think that I think all throughout my uh, this this you know my life I had a lot of dark times where I sort of reinvent myself. I go through these cycles, these weird fractals, and I go down and I come back up and I go down and I come back up. Big waves, massive waves, and I think what I was trying to you know what what I could probably share the most there is there are many 
self-limiting beliefs that people say, you know, you say to yourself, I, I, I can only talk for myself. Other people probably maybe don't have this experience, but I've noticed it in other people. But I, I'll just share from my personal experience that you, you tell yourself. And I think the moment in time where it really struck me was if you listen to some of the language that you tell yourself and imagine instead you use that same language and spoke to your child in the same way, Mm. You know, the dissonance there, Kerwin, is massive, right? And, you know, like when a child's learning to walk, you know, you, you know, oh, they fall over. Hey, you know, come on, get up, you know, those kind of things. We just say to them, you know, what the hell are you falling over for? You should be better than that. You're not good enough. You know, you're not worthy of this. All of these dialogues, right? And it took me a long time to unpack some of these, a lot of tears, dark, just really confronting stuff in, that I say to myself. And now the language I use to myself is a very, you know, when you change that corner and you start being positive and not even necessarily positive, just neutral at least, you know, sometimes positive. And sometimes, you know, you, you did something wrong and you need to go and clean it up. I think my relationships have improved so much. And, you know, i got to give context as well. I've worked with Frank for 17 years. Mm. That's longer than I was married. That's a long time. And I've cleaned up so many things over the years with him, continuously cleaned and cleaned. And now I feel even other stuff I've dug back through. And you know, But that's a very long relationship. That's a long, long marriage. Mm. Um, and, you know, Jeremy, who's at one of the co-founders at Finder, he he started very early in the in the early days as well. You know, we've had our things we've gone through and come back. I don't think if I didn't do that work, I'd be able to have the conversations that I have. And I, it's it's it. Let me give you another moment in time, Cameron. This is it. Is when something happens or you're in a situation, and someone says something, and then you you react. You know, you you. You, you don't respond. So, and, and, and those moments when you feel something and you blurt it out and you're like, oh, those are normally the things that, you, you know, that I've gone back and had to clean up. And not only the moment in time, but now I've unpacked a lot of the beliefs and dialogue I've had upon myself. And then so when it happens again, I'm like, I feel calm and I don't react, I respond. Mm-hmm. And... What happened? So maybe I think this is something you said just before, and I want to come back to it. You know, with a lot of entrepreneurs, um, I think one of the moments and the hardest moment in time for an, an entrepreneur when you start a company is the moment when the company is bigger than you, and for it to enable it to go to be bigger than yourself. Because the founder is bigger than me. You know, there's 300 people. I don't. I, I genuinely don't know everyone anymore. They're in five different countries in different offices. I, I only just went to our Poland office. You know, this year, I just couldn't go. I, I, it's physically not possible to go to all the places continuously. And, but to allow that to happen, I believe that the difference and the moment and difference that allowed it to happen was where I stopped controlling the company and having to have control of it 
where I needed control. And then if I didn't need control, I'd throw my pots and pans and I'd, you know, cause a, a ruckus. And, you know, you're basically breaking down all these relationships you've built and you do, you say things because you need control. You need control. And, and, and that's that confrontation, that moment when you, if you can get past that, that's when a company I think is allowed, is allowed to grow past the size of the founder. Mm-hmm. You become you become the limiting factor of the company's growth. You are, and that's a really confronting moment in time. And it, I don't think I dealt with that terribly well for a lot of years. And then I started to calm down and be different. And you know, and I'm not perfect. Don't get me wrong. You know, like I'm not perfect, but I think that was the the moment where I. It's not just me. It's not about me. It became about the company. It sounds like you've done a lot of work, mate. And, and I'm curious to know at what point in your life where is there a moment where something happened, um, either in the business or your personal life, where you went, fuck. Okay, mm. I'm seeing a pattern here. I'm blowing fucking shit up on a regular. And yep. there's a theme here. The theme is me. Was there that moment where something happened and you just went, right, okay, I need to do some work. And first of all, what was that moment? And secondly, for people who were listening to this who might be in a similar spot, like where did you start? I... I remember it um, and it wasn't, I, I kept on, it's a bad, I kept on, um, it's just hard to talk about, but I'll be vulnerable. I Please. I had, after after I um, separated from my ex-wife, I, I was, um, I, just, I was, I, let's say, can I say this? I just wasn't a very good in, in, in relationships with um, my partner. Well, not partners, but the girls I was going out with, I was, I was a terrible, I don't know, my fidelity was terrible. I would just yeah. like, I would just break it. And, and I was like, it would continuously happen. And I was like, I'm like, well, there's only one person that was in charge of this and that's you, Fred. But, and the pattern was vicious. And I would, and I realized it took me a long time to realize it, but I was self-sabotaging because mm. I didn't think I was worthy of a good relationship. And so I would actively go and break it. And, so that idea is bigger than that, but you, the way you don't think you're worthy of anything. I get it. Yeah. Terrible, right? Terrible. And I, and I was like, why am I doing this? You know, like, oh my goodness. And I said, well, if something wrong, I'm going to go and see someone because I can't control this. I'm not, this doesn't make any sense. Something's not right. Like the key, the, 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 the computer chips keep coming out with this error and it's consistent. That's the thing I know. I saw mm. the pattern. I was like, that's consistently happening. That's not good enough. All right. So I, I randomly met this guy. So this other girl referred me to, said entrepreneurs speak to this guy all the time. I'm like, okay. And I, I totally challenged him and I was so anti him at the first meeting until he just pushed on one of my, he, he could just see into my soul, basically into my emotional state. And he just pushed a little bit on one sore point and I lost it. Just lost it. Just completely. He goes, he goes, yeah. And you just sit and you just be very quiet and calm and let me cry it out or, you know, just be really angry or whatever it was. I'm not even really angry, just crying it out. He just hammer me on sore points where I was weak and I wasn't. And he said, Fred, my goal with you is to take you from, you know, this blubbery mess, obese, you know, this obese guy is walking to the gym for the first time to, you know, like a James Bond when it comes to your emotions. And and he asked me, he said, how committed to you are this? How committed on, on something like this are you? And I'm, you know, pretty wrecked, right, during this one hour. 
And I said, because I said, I'm ready to go all the way down the rabbit hole as far as it needs to go. And I committed that to him and I, but I was genuine about it, right? I want to discover myself. And that's, that's the difference. That's what changed. You know, like you're like, oh, I know a bit about myself. Yeah, but there's a difference. There's knowing yourself and then there's, then there's knowing. Deep, like. Yeah. Right into the sore places where it hurts and it's uncomfortable. And and then I started having real conversations with people. I started having con- like really confronting conversations, really like just terrible ones that you have to just stand up and go, I think this. And people go, and then when it actually happens, people go, well, actually, he's just being authentic and genuine and that's fine. And you ha- and it's like, huh, oh, that felt really good. And I was really scared mm-hmm. of that. And I started building that muscle, you know. I think there are three types of gyms. There's mental gym, physical gym, and an emotional gym. And I think that emotional gym is what I missed for a long, long time. But that was the trigger. And I, it's hard for me to speak about, but I'm just being as in, I'm being vulnerable. No, I, I appreciate it. Like there's also a lot of, uh, you know, myself included, I speak to a lot of people who have built some incredible companies. Um, there seems to be a resurgent now in a way that um, people look for creative ideas and even, you know, treat their own issues and do their own work you know something that's created a significant resurgence in the last you know seven eight years as a result of people like tim ferris and joe rogan is the psychedelic movement uh it's interesting because i'm i'm a big fan i'm a big proponent of plant medicine um but when i actually started doing the research i started to discover the significance of palo alto uh as a research center in the early 60s where a lot of lsd research was actually conducted Mm. and obviously there was a you know the revolution that started or not the revolution but the um uh, the free love movement that started in San Francisco. And then ultimately we now hear stories about people in tech companies that are bringing in shamans that are bringing in people for microdosing that are, you know, really playing with different ways to access, not just creativity, but also performance. Mm. Um, and look, I'm just putting it out there, but as someone who myself, who was, you know, you know, in, in endeavored and, and, and journeyed for therapeutic purposes, you know, as well as uh, performance purposes, I'm curious if, if, if that's made a, a show in your life at this point. You know, I I have looked into it. I've never um, got into psychedelics. I've never taken psychedelics because I just my personally, I find it hard. I'm a very creative person, mm-hmm. and so I, I can't I can't watch. So let me give you the level. I I can't watch um, uh, paranormal movies because I won't sleep. I can construct and creatively connect the dots to believe that it's actually real. And <laughs> it takes me a few days to get over it, right? Yeah. Um, I just go so far down. In, and when I watch a movie, I don't I'm, I'm not care about the characters. I'm actually the concept. I want the concepts and I want to put them in. I call them loading them into my tape, right? My tape is that I, it's like a remix tape, you know, like a mixtape that's constantly being remixed and I'm mixing it in and I'm, you know, listen to the tunes now. I'm like, oh, okay, they got to put a little bit of that, a little bit. Of anyway, I think everything's a remix, right? I don't think there are any original ideas. I think there is, you know, and so everything, I find there is, is a remix of, you know, a newspaper combined with a personal finance magazine, you know, and and, and, st- and put a mortgage broker on top. It's not really, I didn't I didn't invent that idea. That That's the whole of ideas combined together. I just remixed them. I, I think that's just me personally. I'm, I'm very... Uh, I, I, I get 
affected by those chemicals a lot. And, I'm, and so just that that's not to no harm, no foul about those kind of things. I am fascinated by this world. And the reason why, the only reason I'd be fascinated by it is purely because I'd want to know. I always love watching, um, uh, you know, uh, movies or TV series that have a, a different world. I, I can't remember what the word is. Um, Dimension. Um, yeah, a different dimension, like like altered carbon, where all the all the things have resh- mm. been reshuffled. And so that would be my, you know, I want the reason why I love those movies is because then you can you, you actually get a you get perspective. You go, oh, our world's like this, but it's different like that. Oh, that's actually a thing in our world. Let's go and study that, and then I'll go and study that aspect of the of that current world mm. and try and understand it more because I'm like that's actually something. It's quite, it's like a it's permanent, you know, when you see two different worlds and the other, what is there and what is not there is quite fascinating to me and what is permanent and what is not. And so I, I, I'm, I'm, and that's, that would be one of the reasons why I would like to, I probably need to do it in a controlled environment or something like that just because I, yeah, I'm very sensitive. For anyone who's listening, you know, with um, with any of the work that I do, it's always done in a controlled environment and, and with an enormous amount of education. But mate, if you're interested, there's a great book I can recommend, especially on the therapeutic side. Again, my interest in, um, Plant medicine is really on the therapeutic, the entheogenic, uh, as well as performance, because there are performance benefits as well. Um, and uh, yeah, great book that if you're interested. It's called um, the uh, the Psychedelic Explorer's Guide by James Fadiman, and which is a compilation of you know hundreds of different uh, hundreds of different articles and research papers from universities all over the world, as well as a little bit of historical account of how these incredible medicines have been used and how they're making a resurgence, but more importantly, why they're making a resurgence, especially in the area of mental health, you know, depression, anxiety, treatment resistant, um, you know, in some cases, genetic depression, treatment resistant PTSD. Uh, it's really quite fascinating. But um, I know you're just a dude with an open mind, so I thought I'd just throw that one out there and see uh, see if anything landed. Oh, you know, I'm, I'm always interested. I, will, I would love to talk after this about that. I would love to. Mate, I'm more than happy to. Parenting, mate. Uh, parenting as an entrepreneur at your level, like what are the some of the lessons that you've learned about being a parent and how have they crossed over between work and parent and parent and work? You know, I I don't give my girls pocket money. I never will. Yeah, right. Um, I don't want to teach them to trade time for money. Um, they can also, they know they can ask for whatever they want, whatever however much money they want. But they have to go, and so I'll, t- I'll tell you the story. Um, they have to justify it, right? So we were in a Lego store in New York, right? And we rolled in. We just gone. We just we just rolled in, and you know they do it so well. They merchandise. Americans are great like that. And they said, "Can we get some Lego?" I said, "You know, of course you can, but you know you need to give me five reasons why um, you're, you're, you're you want this Lego, and three reasons what you're going to learn from it." They're like, "Dad, come on, how about four? I'm like, I'm like five it is for this one five they're like fine five it is and they go they go they go do we have to yeah come on all right fine so they, they said oh, i need it written and i need it presented to me and so they took their time and then they started writing it down and sachi could she was quite young she could barely write but she'd draw little things and as many as much of the word as she could get out and they came presented it back to me and I said, and I said, this is not a reason, you know. I said, you got to present it as well. So you got to sales pitch it to me. You got to sell me on why. And I'm then going to venture back your your venture on your Lego venture. 
and they were like, and then I said, this reason is not good enough. doesn't make sense. It's the same as that one. They're like, fine. And they went back and they redid it, reworked it. Eventually came back and I said, fine, that's fit. So they went around, you get whatever you want. They bought like $200 worth of Lego, right? It was pretty punchy, right? But when we talked about, when we talk about Lego now, and we talk back to that story, they know for a fact, if they want, if, 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 if we're going to talk about something, getting something, they're going to start number one, negotiating with me on the number of reasons, but they're going to pitch me real hard as to the justification of why. And that's with everything, mm-hmm. right? You're going to, you know, I, I think I went up to like, um, Saatchi when I want, um, I want to get, I don't know, something like a, a, a cat. I'll say a cat. Okay. Now, we're going to need some serious reasons on this. Not, and two, I'm going to need another presentation on how you're going to take care of this when we're away. You know, so, <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, what's the principle there, right? I, I don't want them to trade time for money, right? And I want them to know that anything's possible. It just takes enough convincing, enough rational argument. I want them to learn to pitch, present, document their ideas and sell. I think selling is a, is a core skill. So, so the, the girls will negotiate on me so hard on everything. You know, which is great, and I want them to. And they'll, a little, you know, could see it as fighting, but it's not a fight. It's like they know there's eventually a, a place where we'll come to some terms because we've practiced this over time. And um, the other thing I want them to ask for is, is to is to ask for what they want in their life, to request it. And so when we go to a restaurant now, if Portia's sitting there, she used to ask me, "I want ketchup," but she doesn't ask for ketchup. She stands up, goes and finds the the, the waiter, and says, "Excuse me." I would like some ketchup. <laughs> and she, so the lady's like, okay, yes. And, you know, and she's and I don't want any pickles on my bun, please. You know, <laughs> you know? I'm like, good, you know, excellent. Asking what you want from the world. Cause if you have here to ask, you know, I think, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think that's, that's core. I, I would say with, you know, with, with the girls, mom versus I, I'm a lot more laissez faire, but, they know, and, and the extreme of it was one day I tried no rules. So we went to Singapore and I said, all right, we're going to try something for this holiday. There's been no rules, but you will experience all the consequences of your decisions. There are no rules. Oh, I like that. Mm. And I said, but every single consequence is yours. And they said, okay. Uh, and no rules. And they're like, they're like, dad, they walked up to me, dad, can I eat this chocolate? I'm like, it's up to you. Obviously, you know when we're going to eat lunch and the consequence of eating that chocolate's up to you. They ate the chocolate. You know, they were running around. They had plenty of energy. They were fine. They were like, like well, fine. They'll eat it in front of me. I was like, I ain't going to adjust it. I ain't going to, you know, break my, break my word. That's the other thing. You don't break your word. You know, if I've committed to something, then that's it. You know, I want them to know that's a contract. Um, and so, you know, we went out and I suggested, I said, Hey, I just want to suggest it's a little bit cold. You might want to bring a jumper, but it's up to you. There are no rules here. And they were like, well, there's no rules, Dad. I'm going to wear whatever I want. And then we went out. And in this case, it turned out it was actually warmer than I expected. And they said, well, it was a good thing, Dad, I didn't bring a jumper because it's very hot. Look, you're carrying your jumper now. And I was like, I was like, that's true. I'm experiencing the consequence of my decision. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, so, you know, both ways. It's got to be – I'm not always right, but um, – that was that was a pretty out there experiment. That's probably the extreme of, I guess. I'm trying to think about my philosophy with parenting. How did that roll? How did that roll out? Like, what was the the outcome there? Did it work? Yeah, I'd say it worked out. They actually went pretty aggressive. Then they pulled back. 
Uh, and I said, I said, oh, so, no, there was, there was, there was no rules except, um, I think, I think I said, don't, don't get pregnant and um, no drugs and alcohol. And they were like, what's, what are drugs, Dad? I was like, <laughs> oh, okay. Um, you know, so, 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 but they were pretty, pretty good with it. You know, they were like, yeah, that's fine, Dad. Fine, okay. But otherwise, you know, all the rest, that's fine. Um, they weren't really into that. So you could probably go no rules. So at the time I didn't, you know, I just thought this is something I think, I think rules are tough and figuring out where they lie. I, I, I think, you know, for example, another one is screen time. I think people are big on screen, you know, not big on screen time or big on screen time. I'm, I'm big on screen time. I let, you know, my girls, they've got computers, they've got iPads and, they do have certain amounts that, you know, I'm like, Hey guys, you watch a lot of YouTube, do something constructive. So they'll play a game or they'll go back to writing a story they're writing, or, you know, they'll chat with their friends or they'll, you know, whatever, just something a little more, you know, they'll make a video, they'll make a movie, something, take some photos, play a game. And eventually they use the technology. I want them to feel like it's like part of their life. I don't want them to feel like, you know, oh, I'm doing something special. It's not. It's to me, technology now is all blurred, right? It's all together. So I, I, I that, that's how I, I see it. But um, you know, you got to pull them up every now and then a little bit. Like, hey guys, we watch a lot of YouTube today. <laughs> um, but I don't ban it. You know, and I'm not watching them. I'm going to just say, hey guys, it's probably a good idea. If the language is very strong, is that appropriate or inappropriate? You know. Um, can we, you know, let's, let's just be careful. And also the other word language I use is, can you take care of yourself? I want you to take care of yourself and make sure, you know, if someone asks you to do something, you don't have to do anything anyone says, just thinking for yourself if that's appropriate or inappropriate. And I don't get into too much detail, but just to set a high level bound because thing, weird things happen on the internet, right? Um, yeah. But they're pretty good. They're pretty good, you know. A flag and say, "Dad, this this video is a little bit, you know, it says some words." And I don't. The other thing with swear words, I don't. My view on that is, I actually think they're part of the English language, and mm-hmm. um, using them correctly and in key moments in time. Like I will very frequently use them, but when I do use them, they then it's in very extreme context. They'll pull me up and say, Dad, you just said that word. And I said, yes, but I meant that word and everything that it, that it encompassed with that word in that moment. And they were like, hmm, okay, I see. Because it, 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 it's it's a very strong punctuation, right? There, are, But you need if, – if I believe if you limit yourself with the lexicon of words that you can use, it inhibits your ability to communicate. And if you can't use those words and punctuation points, particularly in business, then – People don't really know exactly how you feel. You're 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 not using the full spectrum of the of the English language, and the English language, unfortunately, is quite a um, not not a dense language. It's actually it's actually lacking a lot of words. I think personally, it is it is quite basic. And we I still think fuck adds a lot to it. Yeah, <laughs> I think it does. It's you're right. right. It's a punctuation point. And um, you know, there's been many research studies to prove that people who swear are, have a higher intelligence. People who have better memory. Actually, no, people who forget have a higher intelligence. That's right. But uh, fuck, mate, it's all good here. But listen, um, you mentioned when we first sat down, you said you've got a new startup that you're kicking off in in the background there. And I was going to ask the question anyway, like what's next for Fred? 
Uh, I know you know you're 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 deep into into Finder and all its new iterations, but is there something new on the cooker that you're thinking about playing with, mate? Yeah, you know we've we've um, I'm looking at this um, e-commerce space right now. I find it fascinating. It's not something I've ever I've built some online stores before because of the the website business, but um, I'm I'm kicking around this idea, you know, of taking. It could could Finder be a place to take payments? Like, and actually allow people to buy and sell things. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's like very possible. You know, I understand how mm. shopping carts work, and I know how to take payments and things like that. But I'm like, what is, you know, what is the feasibility of this? And we're just experimenting with it right now. And you know, we've we've, we've tried a few things. Um, Although you know, it's 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 a wonder right now. Let's put it that way. We're 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 wondering and we're trying to figure this out, and we're not sure where it will land and how it will look. And the last venture we did, which is still going, is the Finder app. The Finder app is doing really really well. People are downloading that, and you know, the, you connect your bank account up, and it auto compares for you, which is awesome. Um, wow. So it tells you if you can save some money on your you know. Or different. There's four services right now it auto compares with, which is really cool. Um, and I thought that was a great, you know, that's that's cool, right? And and so maybe if I can contextualize that, this might is I've been experimenting a lot with media in the past, and now I'm experimenting with technology. Does that make sense? So, yep, so, so and that sounds it sounds weird, right? But actually, Finder really didn't build a, build a lot of technology. It had a website and it's a website business, but technology is very different. Yep. I'm building products and services. So, um, so yeah, I'd say I'm, I'm experimenting and, and playing around a lot more with, with, with that um, now as opposed to, um, yeah, just media and marketing really. and combining okay. those two things together. Yeah, right. And um, in terms of the social space, like do you guys see any anything happening there that is going to be different to what we've seen in the past? Um, in terms of social media, um, yeah, like I'm, I'm curious for people's perspective on the moment for for social because obviously we're seeing mm. a lot of uh, a lot of innovation iterations in technology. We're seeing a lot now, a lot of people now home in front of their their computer, a lot more time spent on social networks. We've noticed, for example, a drop in um, ad costs and conversion costs in um, in our ads in our audiences in the US. Uh, so I'm curious from your perspective if you see any opportunity that's popping popping up from a business perspective in the social environment at this point. Because there is a much more of a captive audience. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting. Um, although people are, yeah, they're going on more on these social media channels. I think they were using them, they're just using it a little bit more right now. I, I, I just think there's this trend away from big social grouping places mm. to more um, niche places. Yep. Um, so I spent more time. I, I, I left Facebook in 2012. I closed my profile. It's eight years not on Facebook, and I, I, didn't, I didn't even know what, what's happened there because I I just thought I don't think this is good for my life, so I left. I kind of use Instagram, not really. I don't really get it. I use LinkedIn a lot, so I, can, I really love LinkedIn. LinkedIn for, is for business, and it really it speaks to me as a social place. But I think you know we do a lot of business with our clients through WhatsApp. Uh, so, you know, I set up a cryptocurrency brokerage two years ago called Hivex and we trade all our, uh, with all our clients through WhatsApp, you know, millions of dollars of cryptocurrency. Um, and 
I think what I what I, the trend that I I see is chat commerce. So yes. Yes, yes, I could not agree more. More of a focus on community management, more of a focus on chat. Yeah, starting those conversations in the digital format and then transitioning them to other modalities. Yeah, hundred percent. And and I, I I'm I'm long on that. That's that's yeah, where I. Yeah, and, and I think WhatsApp groups. I love WhatsApp groups. Um, they they allow that little micro communities and then you have bigger ones but they splinter off and they come back together and they form i think it's beautiful i just um you know i i can't participate in them as much because i find them a bit noisy after a while and yeah. i leave and you know i think that's the fluvial nature i do think i love transacting through chat i find it so much faster and easier i find email cumbersome i'm like oh mm -hmm. send an email people ask me to send an email i'm like like I open the email, I'm like, like we're already talking. We're <laughs> like we're here together in a digital form. Let's just do the transaction here and now. It's written. It's 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 printed right now. We can just close the deal. Everyone can. I'll buy it from you right now. Just I'm not gonna like. Can we just do it? We're done. And 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 there's an email confirmation maybe because that's what we remember. Like a fax, we used to send faxes and things. People used to do telephone deals uh, and stuff. I, I get what you're saying. There's more friction in email than there is in messaging. And I, and I think that's, that's where it's so attractive. 100%. And I think that's where it's moving. I couldn't agree more. Fred, mate, I have to say, I hope this is the first of many conversations to come. I really enjoyed getting to know you, my friend. Um, and I'd like to, yeah, I'd like to follow up with more conversations in the future. If there's one piece of advice that's either the best piece of advice that you've received or the best piece of advice you could give, what would that be, mate? You know, I think um, when you imagine yourself and who you are, I think if you can be humble enough to say to yourself and look back, draw a line in the sand and all the past things that happened and all the things that you've ever experienced and all the challenge you've gone through to get to where you are, draw a line in the sand and look back now and say, that was good. And now imagine what is great. Write those things down, put them in your top drawer and go and do them. And I reckon in about five years' time, you'll feel pretty good about yourself. What a fucking great way to finish, Fred. Absolutely incredible. Now, I know you're not on social media, so if people want to find out more about you, my friend, where can they go to find out about you? Oh, you, can, you, can, you can follow me on um, Instagram. I, I post that I do try and as best I can. I'm, I'm not great yep. at it. Uh, LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Come on and check me out on LinkedIn. It's just my name, Fred Shibesta. And Instagram, I post photos of, I don't know, I, I, I sort of... I have thoughts every now and then and I try to be inspirational because I think that's what I'm kind of okay at. Um, and hopefully people get a bit of a bump from that. Fantastic. We'll put the links below. But, mate, thank you so much for your time. I uh, appreciate you taking the time. And, mate, I can't wait to see where you guys go from here. Thanks, Kevin, man. Was, you, great you. questions. And, and don't forget, everyone, you just listen to the best podcast. It's the place to subscribe. <laughs> so this Kevin's crushing it here. This is where it's at we got it thank you so much Fred I look forward to connecting again soon thank you brother that was awesome All thank right. you 
This episode was brought to you by Nail It and Scale It, the world's leading fast growth program for business. There you have it, guys. Thanks for tuning in to Unstoppable with me, your host, Kerwin Ray. And please do not forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel where you get to see all of these interviews in the flesh. Share this podcast with your friends and drop me a review on iTunes. I would love to hear what you guys think and also let you know your comments help make sure that we keep producing killer content just like this. And if you'd like to stay up to date with all of my movements, upcoming podcasts, events, and much more, please jump onto the website, KerwinRay.com, and also check us out on all social media on the handle at Kerwin Ray. Thanks for joining us.